Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. The game is starting, everyone is here. I got my snacks, my friends, and a beer. Just two normal guys hanging out, having fun. Right, guy number two? Yeah, guy number one. Single, double, triple, home run. Welcome once again to the We Like Sports Podcast. You are listening to Peyton Vince and only Peyton Vince today. There are no co-hosts with me just because CJ Hawkins is unavailable and along with my co-host from last week, Pete, is not home today. So I figured I'm going to give a stab at this on my own. So hopefully you like hearing my voice because this is about it for the next 30 minutes, give or take. And then... Eventually, we will have an interview, though, so you won't hear my voice just strictly overall today. So it's positive on your end if you can't hear or can't stand me. Obviously, you can hear me if you're listening, which we do appreciate after all. So just to let you know a little bit in the beginning, just because there's some new things that we added to our podcast. Uh, we are not yet on iTunes, but that is slowly on the way. But definitely listen to us on anchor.fm. Uh, Google Play slash Apple Podcast should be on the way within the next week or so. But on another note, if you would like to support our podcast and pretty much help us out with anything possible, even a small donation or a big donation, whatever, we're not picky, uh, you could actually support us on anchor.fm backslash we like sports backslash support, and you could support us with a monthly contribution. Contrib, why wow, I cannot say contribution. Wow, I'm actually a pretty fluent speaker usually, but not today, obviously. But it ranges anywhere from about 99 cents a month to 9.99 a month. Which, if you're a WWE fan, that's a WWE network. So we don't have that much content like a WWE network, but we have your sports contests and anything sports contests sports contest wise anything overall we definitely have the sports content for you again feel free to be a supporter we definitely appreciate that on the we like sports podcast also our twitter just to plug that one really quick because that will go into the next topic as well definitely follow us on twitter at we like sports with a z and then pc and then that'd be the we like sports podcast definitely give us a follow too uh, later on today, whenever this podcast ends up getting posted, we're actually going to share our Patreon once again. We actually do have a Patreon, which you, the fans, could be a part of. Uh, we have tiers ranging from a $1 tier a month, $3, $5, all the way up to $75 per month. And that's the most extensive tier. And you get pretty much all the like extra stuff that we're going to end up having. So with the $1 Patreon... Just pretty much being somebody that's supporting us a little dollar here and there. We're actually going to shout you out on air on our Twitter and on air. So that's one of them. Uh, One of the other ones is you, you, the fans, could actually record a commercial for us once we end up getting more content, more sponsors, which it will be bound to happen. You obviously have heard the overall anchor sponsorship overall in that last episode, which will be again today. 
Uh, and ask us anything sports related, $5 tier. Uh, with a $20 tier, you could actually be a one time guest host of the podcast, which not only would be a little bit more exposure for you, but you would actually be doing me a huge favor, similar to today when nobody else could do the podcast with me. You could actually help me out and actually include in your feedback, and it won't be the same stuff that you hear overall. And our most expensive tier the $75 tier you would help us pick the topics you'd be an occasional guest that's even when we end up having our normal co-hosts too so it's not just going to be a one-time thing it's going to be an occasional guest and you're gonna pretty much we're gonna be listening to your feedback on logos shirt ideas and you will also receive we like sports merchandise so Definitely cool features that we're going to end up having. Pretty much for like the shout-out and commercial, we're probably going to do a drawing for that. But overall, some new features for the fans to start being a little bit more in tune. We're giving this a stab once again. If you're a new listener to the podcast on Anchor FM, we had a podcast formerly, and that ended up changing up over time. I mentioned that last episode with everyone pretty much continuing on their own ways. So we're trying things a different way. But once again, definitely just we want your support overall. We want this to be the top podcast overall, whether that be through our Patreon or through the We Like Sports backslash support on Anchor.fm. So, I mean, even if it's 99 cents or like a dollar on the Patreon, we greatly appreciate it nonetheless. But changing gears, I was pretty much aiming towards having more so of a heavy NBA Cavaliers topic. And again, this is not mainly going to be a Cleveland sports oriented podcast. We're trying to have more of just the NFL basis. But after this past Thursday's Thursday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, I just kind of want to break down, I mean, the national media hit it. Everybody has mentioned it. The whole entire incident with eight seconds left in the game when Mason Rudolph pretty much got clobbled, smacked into next week with Miles Garrett smacking him with a helmet. Not just Miles Garrett's helmet, Mason Rudolph's own helmet. So... I mean, so many suspensions happen there, and personally, I mean, if you guys have listened to the show, you know, any input whatsoever, I am from Cleveland, I am a Pittsburgh Steelers, though, but overall, both ends, this is just all fandom aside, Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett, both very stupid on their ends, both ends, like, for one, if I'm Mason Rudolph, and... I'm being blatant enough to notice the fact that Mason Rudolph did kick Miles Garrett in the nads a hundred percent. I mean, that was so stupid. Why would you do that to a lineman that weighs like he's a lineman for one. So he's going to be a big boy regardless, but he's carrying at least a solid 250, 275, maybe even pushing 300. Think just looking it up right now, 271. So, 6'4", you're going to be kicking the Browns' defensive lineman, who's usually cool-headed, Miles Garrett, in the ding-ding. 
and you pretty much thought that nothing was going to happen at all. You thought that you were going to get away with it. But Miles Garrett did not let that slide whatsoever. I don't know what was said in the pile. There's been some alleged thoughts of, I mean, plain and simple at the end. Once Mason Rudolph got knocked in the head, he called, I forgot if it was Larry Ogunjobi or Miles Garrett or both. He ended up just calling him a straight-up bitch. And, I mean, you called him a bitch. You play this team once again. And the Browns-Steelers rivalry for the past five years, since 2014, has not been much of anything. It's been pretty much one-sided all the way throughout. I mean, the Browns haven't even won against the Pittsburgh Steelers for five years. Back when, I don't even remember who was quarterback, because the Browns go through 18 quarterbacks in five years. But you decided to call the Browns, Larry Ogunjobi, who you will have to face again in a few weeks, a bitch, or Miles Garrett, a bitch. This, it's not even like a rivalry anymore. It's pretty much like a blood feud. And I may be using a wrestling term there, but it is a blood feud now. Like everything from either end, you know that the Steelers fans are backing the Steelers. Browns fans are backing the Browns. You finally have interesting football again. But this took away from a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which once again, you didn't beat since 2014. But in eight seconds, you managed to make an ass out of yourself. And you just pretty much do not know how to win. It seems like Brown's history. You just don't know how to win. It's just stupid actions over and over again. So anyways, breaking that down. Miles Garrett smacks him in the helmet with his own helmet. And for one, just a quick side take with everything going on in the NFL. I mean, if you get poked in the head, you get tested for CTE anymore. Concussions are not a joke, but he just pretty much like, like jumped on him. Like Mario would jump on the turtles and any Mario game whatsoever. That's the way it looked like when Miles Garrett smacked Mason Rudolph with a helmet. Um, I'm not really saying Miles Garrett is a dirty player. I'm not giving him that take because overall he hasn't been known to do it until this year. He has I don't know what is going on. I don't know if he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I don't know if this year he's just being more aggressive, and that comes down to coaching with Freddie Kitchens. I'm not sure. This is the third incident now in 2019. You had the punch against the Tennessee Titans. You helped assist Trevor Simeon break his leg against the Jets in week three, and now you smacked your rival quarterback in the head with the helmet, which... Mason Rudolph's agent even stated that he was considering legal actions, which you probably wouldn't have won, but it's still that severe. So, Miles Garrett is done for the year, including the playoffs, Um, which I guess if you're a Browns fan, the fact that they stated that including the playoffs, that is a solid thing, I guess, because in years past, that wasn't going to be mentioned at all. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi will be suspended one game. Marquise Pouncey of the Steelers will be suspended three games. 
And that's about it for now. Uh, Mason Rudolph will not be suspended. I don't know if that'll help or hurt the Steelers because he is not a good quarterback. That's just another thing. Like, For one, without a doubt, you know damn well that if Ben Roethlisberger was playing for the Steelers, A, he knows better. B, you're not going to have that happen just because it's Ben Roethlisberger. He's not going to take that. But that was just an eventful, eventful Thursday night football game. And yeah, there is a good chance if the Browns weren't playing in primetime a Thursday night game and Miles Garrett did this, without a doubt, I would say maybe suspended a game. But you're in the spotlight. You have everybody watching. It's a Thursday night game, national game, and you did something that's stupid. And that was the Browns' third ejection of the game because... um. You had Miles Garrett get ejected, Larry Ogunjobi get ejected, Demarius Randall get ejected because of a hit to one of the Steelers' wide receivers, and he was bleeding from the ears. Again, as I mentioned, the CTE, it's taken seriously. When you're bleeding from the ears, that is a scary moment without a doubt. But... I guess I should just get off my pretty much soapbox of the whole entire incident. Um, Let's actually just hit on the point of, quickly, the NFL standings. There is not a single team right now that is undefeated. The Seahawks defeated the 49ers, and the 49ers were, they were the last team to receive a loss. Which is actually quite surprising because New England was up there. So is San Francisco. Who knows? Maybe that might be your Super Bowl matchup. You never know. Two former or a former Patriots quarterback and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So you have the New England Patriots that are eight and one. You have the San Francisco 49ers that are eight and one, the Seattle Seahawks who are eight and two, and you have the Saints at seven and two, the Packers at seven and two, the Vikings at seven and three, and and the Ravens are at seven and two as well. As of right now, the worst conference in the NFL or worst division, excuse me, is the NFC East. Their division leaders are the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles at five and four. Tied for first, five and four. If you're in the NFC North with the Packers, Vikings, you'd be in third and fourth place. So, I mean, but that's football for you. The divisional breakdown depends on which end you end up having. So. I know we didn't get to talk that much about NFL football in general, but I did want to hit on the Thursday night football incident. Um, Freddie Kitchens, as we mentioned last week, probably had his job in jeopardy. Still could be in jeopardy. I mean, even if you look at it from a discipline end. But 
with the win over the Steelers, something that has not been accomplished since 2014. He could have just secured that right now, or he could have just held it off until they face off once again. Because for the last few years, a Browns coach has been fired since, I think, Romeo Cornell after a Steelers game. That's your make-it-or-break-it situation. If you make it past Pittsburgh, you're going to stay. But you got to play them one more time. And the Steelers, Mason Rudolph, definitely not your future. If Ben Roethlisberger, for whatever reason, decides to retire, which I don't think he should, I think he should actually go out on top and at least attempt to play one more season, you're going to have to look in the draft and see who you could end up taking. You're not going to have a first overall pick after he traded uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and traded that first rounder for him, which it has so far looked like it's paid off if you're a Steelers fan or if you're the Steelers in general. But Mason Rudolph is not the answer. I have not seen a man at quarterback like I did in the Colts game a few weeks back on a play-action pass be so clueless in the field and step out of bounds while scrambling on the run for a play-action pass. When shortly after, a pass to Juju Smith-Schuster, wobbly as all hell. Like, I mean, I could go outside and play catch right now, and I will throw a better spiral than Mason Rudolph. Anyways, right now we're going to take it to break. We're going to end up playing our anchor ad, and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to the We Like Sports Podcast. We have also set up a voicemail line for our fans, so if you're interested in giving us your input, feel free to give us a call at 216-395-4561. Again, that number is 216-395-4561. And you, the fans, could give us your opinion, and we will have that in a segment. All right, we're back on the We Like Sports Podcast. We are back on the We Like Sports Podcast once again, this time after our NFL segment and mainly Brown Steelers segment, we're going to be speaking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, which surprisingly, they're actually looking like a decent team. I mean, speaking as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I had no intentions of watching the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. Just because in 2018-2019, that team was hard to watch. It was very difficult to watch them play. There was no point. I mean, the team was 19-63. and It was a terrible, terrible season to watch. But this year, after 11 games, all these games are not only close, but these games, they've actually... Got off, gotten off to a decent start. They're four and seven. They are two and two in their division. They have defeated the seven and five Indiana Pacers. And technically, pipe dream right here. If the playoffs were to start today on November 16th, as of this recording, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know why I said Steelers, it was probably just because of the last segment, but the Cleveland Cavaliers 
are one spot out of the NBA playoffs. Obviously a pipe dream, but you have a better shot this year than you did in 2018-2019. Your games are a lot closer. When you beat Indiana, you beat them by over 10 points. You beat Chicago by 6. Games that you're losing are relatively close. You lost to Indiana again after winning that first one. 102-95. You lost to Dallas by 20 points, which was a little rough, but they ended up putting up points, but it was close. It was fun to watch up until the end. The Boston game. They were able to win that. They were able to win it, but they didn't. They lost to 119-113, but again, it was close. Against Washington, they won. Against the New York Knicks, which... In most years, you would say that's pretty much a given. But with the Cleveland Cavaliers being the way they are right now, nothing's a given anymore. But they ended up beating the Knicks. They almost beat somebody that is a possible Eastern Conference Finals champion. If not, they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Philadelphia 76ers. They lost by one point, and if Kevin Love made the last shot, you'd be looking at a win against the Philadelphia 76ers. In which, their record, you might ask, is 7-4. and four. They're tough. They're a tough team, without a doubt. But you almost had a win there. You play them again tomorrow night. So, these games are actually entertaining. They're not completely terrible. Is it John Bielan? Is it Count Sexton developing in his sophomore year? Is it Kevin Love? Is it Tristan Thompson being healthy? Is it the rookies Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr.? It's not Dylan Windler. He hasn't played yet. But as I mentioned, we do have an interview. We do have Brian Dulick, who has been covering the Cavs. And he will actually be giving us some insight on the Cavaliers and his opinions. And honestly, what I'm going to end up asking him is if it comes as a surprise. Because to me, it does come as a surprise. It definitely 100% comes as a surprise that the Cleveland Cavaliers are actually fun to watch. I had no intentions in watching them whatsoever. But they caught me. They got me and they caught me. Anyways, just a quick background of Brian Dulick. He was once a guest on the We Like Sports podcast when it first came out. He's a sports writer for the Medina Gazette. And as I mentioned, he's covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we're going to mention a little bit of the Cavaliers once again. See what he thinks. But anyways, as I continue on, the team isn't bad. They're actually very entertaining to watch. I didn't expect them to win any games in their division this early on. I didn't expect them to beat the Indiana Pacers. I don't know if it's because of the fact that Victor Aladipo was hurt. Even if that did play a factor, in their first two games, they were 1-1. One and one. Surprising. At, let's just break it down this way. November 17th and 2018-2019... Their record, 
I'm just taking a guess right here. They weren't even that close. Get to that exact number in a second. But November 17th, around this time, they were 2 and 12. 2 and 12. Then the next game, November 19th, 2 and 13. So, am I saying this year they're better? 100%. Hell yes. Hell yes. 4 and 7. A lot better to watch. They're fun to watch. They, they're they not a terrible team. They're going to face tough competition. They do have a Greek freak, Giannis. Greek freak, excuse me. Giannis in their division. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm not saying they're going to have over a 500 record. I'm saying they're going to be fun to watch. And as a hopeful Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I don't know how long John Beelan's going to be head coach. I really don't. But overall, the thing that is most important to me is that the Cleveland Cavaliers rebuilding period will not take as long, I believe, as we expected. And I don't think it's going to be as long as when LeBron left the first time. I don't think you're going to be waiting... When did LeBron leave? 2010 and came back in 2014. And in those four years, they they were hard to watch then too. The last year, Kyrie tried leading them. I mean, it really depends. And if worse does come to worse, according to NBADraft.net, their mock draft, as of November 4th, James Wiseman, will fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers with the second pick. But James Wiseman is also ineligible, so his draft stock can fall. So does that mean that he can fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers if they end up winning and still have a lottery pick? It's a possibility. Also, don't forget LaMelo Ball is also a possibility. Never really know. But as of right now, Cleveland is a town in which we love Love, 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 love talking about the draft, whether it be football, whether it be when the Cavs are bad and we're talking about the Cavaliers and their draft. The one sport in Cleveland that they don't talk about the draft all that often is the Cleveland Indians. And that's just because when it comes to the MLB draft, it's not as followed. It's not as followed. Nobody really cares as much. It's not as popular to follow. But, I mean, overall, the Cavaliers, their rebuild period might not be a terribly long period. It's it's definitely going to be interesting, 100%. They do face some tough teams, without a doubt. They also do face some bad teams. They're going to face the Knicks again. They're going to face the Wizards again. The Bulls and Pistons are also not doing too hot either. They're right around the Cavs' record. If you end up winning your division, winning more games in your division, lose a few to the Pacers, lose a few to the seven or uh, to the buck the Bucks, you're not going to win the division, but you're going to end up hanging around. Maybe you end up tanking again, though. Who knows? Once again, though, last but not least, 
Let's talk about Callan Sexton and how much he has developed from his rookie season into his sophomore season. He's definitely gotten comfortable. After a terrible, terrible start in his career and him looking like a bust, he actually looks like he's a ball player. And I've heard rumors, I've heard fan theories in which people say Callan Sexton is just going to be another Kyrie Irving in which he's going to leave once he's able to. I don't think so. I feel like Kyrie Irving was just a bad egg, and you're not going to have that happen again. Best case scenario. You're also going to have some trade bait, too. You're going to end up shopping around Tristan Thompson, I believe. You're going to end up shipping around, or, uh, shopping around Kevin Love. You're going to try Jordan Clarkson. You're going to try it. You're going to see who bites. You don't have to do it, but you're going to see who bites. Also, too, the pairing of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Darius Garland is a very, very, very good ball handler. His expectations were up there. He's going to have to develop a little bit more, but he's on his way. Kevin Porter Jr. has also been a pleasant surprise, too. Give it a few years. Give it a little bit more composure. Don't be bitching at an official. And you're going to have a team in which you're going to end up building around Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr., and Darius Garland. And don't forget about Dylan Windler either. He's a decent three-point threat, but he's hurt right now. But time will tell. But anyways, at this time, we are going to end up speaking to Brian Dulick of the Medina Gazette. And we're going to talk some Cavaliers. And I'm here with Brian Dulick of the Medina Gazette. And we're like I mentioned, we're going to be talking Cavs. But first and foremost, let's mention the actions that were taken on Thursday Night Football between the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts on the whole entire situation between Miles Garrett and the pretty much year-long suspension now, or rest of the year-long suspension, and do you think he deserved a longer one, a shorter one? What are your opinions on that? I thought it was just about right. You know, if you do something like that, that legitimately was an assault, and if Mason Rudolph was not a six-foot-three, well-built guy with adrenaline popped up, I mean, he could have killed him. That's not an exaggeration. And if any fans dispute that, let me hit you over the head with a helmet, and let's see how that works out for you. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was about right. You know, when you compare it to the other suspensions that players have gotten for off-field incidents, it looks kind of ridiculous. But this is the NFL. You know, wife beating is condoned. Spousal abuse, things like that, hitting your kid. They're fine with it. And they've made that crystal clear for the last number of years. With the exception of Ray Rice, everybody who's been dinged for that has wound up back in the league. Some just heinous, disgusting things. But in terms, you know, I think you have to separate that from this incident completely because this is a separate incident that occurred on the field. And given that they're trying to take, allegedly trying to take everything dangerous out of the game, uh, you and I both know that's a lie, Peyton, but they, that's what they're doing to prevent their, to cover their butts legally. Uh, this is something they have to do, and I think they handle it the right way. So, for one, I don't want to be hit with a helmet to begin with, but, uh, second of all, mm-hmm. um, 
when it comes to like the whole entire situation of like the NFL and CTE now, again, yeah. also with it being a Thursday night game, do you think the suspension would have been a little less if it wasn't prime time? Absolutely. You hit it right on the head because the visibility of when it occurred in a Thursday night game, highest rated night in terms of television viewing nationally, though the Thursday night game is typically third most viewed of the week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you had your national broadcast crew there. It, it played into it on a great deal. And they also, it also played into it because what's the main subject today on the pregame shows? They're talking about Miles Garrett, and you knew that was going to happen too, and so did the league, which is why they had to really put their foot down immediately and, and do it emphatically the way that it did. Okay. Well, I, I was kind of on the same boat with you on that one, but moving on because it's been covered so much in the past few days of just yeah. Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns and just pretty much the point that they can't win the right way. Let's move yeah. to the Cavs, just because that's actually a Cleveland team that has actually slowly been coming around. Um, how much has the Cavs impressed you so far, and how much has John Beeline impressed you as a rookie head coach? John Beeline has been an absolute breath of fresh air. I guess especially in light of having to watch Larry Drew, who was basically just there to collect a paycheck, kind of like a basketball Mike Holmgren, and didn't hold anyone accountable for their actions in terms of the young players. Beeline has. If you screw up and you're Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, you're yanked out of the game, and you're going to get an earful from him. You're going to get an earful from J.B. Bickerstaff, and you're also going to get a real earful from Delhi, who has taken on a super leadership role on the sidelines. So I think, you know, talking about changing the culture and things like that is, is such a cliché. But in this case, it's also true. Kobe Altman and John Beeline have their own idea for how they want to mold this team. And there's one thing you have to say about John Beeline. It's integrity and ethics have always been his calling card. And it's the main reason they're in this position. They're getting great leadership from some of the younger veterans, guys like Larry Nance Jr. as well. And that's just pleasant to see. I, I'm hoping they can get one of these next couple games because – they had a position to win in Philadelphia last week, and had they been able to pull that off, you've got the feeling that really might have been the rocket strapped to their back to where they could get on a little roll. Uh, but the key with a young team is to prevent the snowball from rolling too fast down the hill, and they could get run over if they're not careful real soon. And as you mentioned, like kind of hinting towards the next question, which was perfect, what do you think the difference is for the Cleveland Cavaliers from 2018 to 2019, outside of health, obviously? I think that it's a tough one. When you're actually trying to move forward, trying to teach, and trying to win some games, and you put the accountability in the hands of your veteran players – Good things usually happen. You have to have those right veterans, but they had those right veterans last year, too, and they weren't utilized by the coaching staff. I just think it's, you know, it's a clean slate, and that's made every difference in the world. Once you clean the slate, you got to come in with people who are accomplished and know what they're doing, and they've done that. So I really think everybody just looked at it as hitting the reset button for good and for bad and, and going forward with this, this different culture, and it's, thus far it's working. 
And then, like, as you mentioned, like, with that Philadelphia 76ers game, who they play again on Sunday, um, which is today now, <laughs> um, when it comes to it, though, if they would have won that game, that would have been a major turnaround. And yes. they're hanging in there with good teams. Do you think the playoffs are out of the question, or is that a pipe dream, or what are your thoughts on that? My this is a tough one because I know what the team's saying and I know what, you know, people who don't follow the Cavs closely are thinking. I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think it should be their goal. There are six teams that are going to make the playoffs in the East. Seven and eight are completely wide open, and there really aren't enough good teams to fill those spots. If this team can hang around it, and that's what I talked about, you know, a signature win or something that propels them, keep beating teams at home. If they can win – 25 out of their 41 home games, you got a shot. Um, and I, I don't think you should publicly state that as your goal because odds are it's not going to work because there are going to be some growing pains. But clearly that's something that the Kevin loves. The Larry Nance Juniors, the Jordan Clarksons, Tristan Thompson's have said privately and a little bit publicly, it should be your goal. Every team's goal should be to make the playoffs. And it's, I wouldn't say it's realistic, but it's within their grasp, and it's something that's possible if you keep doing things the right way. And if they keep playing hard and keep playing together, I firmly believe they'll be in the race uh, when we get to the trade deadline. And then that's when things get interesting. You have some really tough decisions to make. Yeah, and speaking of the tough decisions, too, I mean, you have either way you could become a buyer, you could become a seller. Out of, like, the players like Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Jordan Clarkson, and I guess even Brandon Knight, who do you see getting moved out of that group, and what would the return want? Like, what would you want in that return? I mean, if you were starting the season off 0-0 and had no idea what the team would be looking like, you'd probably be saying draft picks. But as of right now, with where they're at in the year, what would you want as a return if you end up letting any of those players go? Brandon Knight for sure will be gone because it makes no sense to keep him uh, in the last year of the deal when he's not someone who can help this team. And I like Brandon Knight. He's a professional, but those those knee injuries have just completely destroyed his career. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, you dump him for a second-round pick or anything, but if someone offers you anything tangible, you take it with him. They're not going to trade Jordan Clarkson. They're not going to trade Kevin Love, nor should they. Uh, without Love, you have no franchise focal point. And you've been around the, the league long enough to know that if you don't have that one guy that can be the face of your franchise, you're screwed. You have no chance of winning or selling tickets. That's why as bad as the Blake Griffin deal for the Pistons looked in terms of financially and on their salary cap, it was brilliant. And it was something they had to do because they were irrelevant in their own market. They were selling less than 5,000 actual tickets to a game. Well, lo and behold, not only did he sell tickets, they made the playoffs last year. And that's why you cannot trade Kevin Love. Clarkson's a real interesting one because I think he's put himself in a spot where, you know, there was little chance they signed him when they made the move to acquire him. Well, now all of a sudden he's he's perfect in this role. And he's perfect on a role that, for a team that's going to win with the, the personnel they have. Now, the problem is Tristan Thompson, and that was the most difficult decision I was hinting at, because it makes no sense whatsoever to keep him. You're going to be able to get something that can help you, whether it's, you know, he is an expiring contract, so it wouldn't be the worst thing to keep him, 
which is the question. If you're not going to get someone that can help you, say a well, obviously this team could desperately need a, a three-point shooter, a kind of a Joe Johnson in his prime, Kyle Corver in his prime guy. He's their biggest need, a guy who can play small forward there. But if you're not going to get that, someone that you can keep for a couple of years, it might make sense to keep Tristan. And I never thought I'd say that. But if, if you're in a position to make the playoffs, you have to go for it. Because if it's in the NBA and the NHL, if you can make the postseason with your team and your young players, it means everything as far as experience, and you get that first one under their belt. But that's, that is the $15 million question, because Tristan shouldn't be kept. You could get something for him, but if you're close, you've you got to make run for it. You've got to go for it. And I personally think with Tristan, too, if he was off to a terrible start, like he pretty much – he wasn't off to a terrible start last year, but if he was off to a start similar to last year and hasn't came out guns a-blazing – I would say definitely you'd trade him, but he's definitely provided that he also has worth, which makes that question a lot more difficult. Yeah, uh, and, and you're right. And, and you know you're not going to have him on your team next year, no matter what, even if you keep him. Because this is the same contract year effort Tristan gave the last time his, his deal came up. No chance he plays with the same intensity. You know, you, you can't be fooled by him more than twice, and they've been done that. So he's not coming back in 2020, 2021. It's just a question if you want to let him go for nothing. Understandable. And last but not least, the last question, talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers or rookies, out of Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr., who has impressed you more? Um, I think both. Both have shown some flashes of what they can do. I think that that's a tough question. If I could answer both or neither would probably be the best way because Kevin Porter Jr. came into this league with so much baggage from his background, and really he's someone who, you hate to use the expression, but it's always true, someone who will be an extremely good player and a starter for the long term in three years, or he'll be out of the league. And there's going to be no in-between with him. And I don't think we've seen enough either way to, to figure out which way he can go. They're letting him freelance, almost like what they let Jordan Clarkson do coming off the bench, which is perfect because his game is very raw, and he's not ready to play at this level. But you can hide a lot of weaknesses and, and kind of camouflage what the guy's got. And he's been okay in that role, a lot better than I thought. Darius Garland has struggled mightily as the point guard. You know, he, he can set up an offense, he can make plays, and he and Sexton are, are not hurting them being out there together uh, despite both being no more than six feet. But he, he's having so many problems shooting the basketball. And part of that is because you've got so many guys who can't make their own shot in the starting lineup. This is why if you had a stretch three, his weaknesses would be, wouldn't be as apparent because Skyland can make set shots. We know that Colin Sexton can make set shots, turn into a terrific set shot three-point shooter. But with Jetty Osman incapable of making shots, Tristan Thompson incapable of doing anything if he can't post up, you know, three feet from the basket, you've basically got two albatrosses in your starting five. And you can't, you know, Garland's not good enough yet to be able to, work around a double team or get to the basket when the paint's clogged up already. And that's why I think I'd rather withhold judgment on him. But I, I have lost no faith in Darius Garland. 
He's got a high basketball IQ, comes from a great pedigree with his dad playing in the league, and he's going to be a good one. All right, perfect. Brian, I think you hit the nail on the head overall. I'll let you go. I really appreciate the interview once again, and hopefully maybe in a few months we could actually be talking about the Cavs as a serious playoff contender, but I'll also be satisfied if they're a lottery pick in the draft, too. It's a good year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, keep entertaining the fans, keep making it worth the money to go downtown, and I think that we as Cleveland sports fans and media members are perfectly fine with that. You know, give the effort. This town will love you back. Thank you once again, Brian. And before we head out, just another plug of our social media, which is at We Like Sports with a Z P C. And again, if you want to support us, we have our Patreon that will be tweeted out. And also you could support us through anchor.fm backslash we like sports backslash support. That ranges from anywhere from ninety-nine cents to nine ninety-nine a month. We definitely appreciate any support whatsoever. Also, our social media one more time is at We Like Sports PC. And that's We Like Sports with a Z. Thank you once again. And we will be hearing, or you will be hearing us once again next week. Can you smell? We Like Sports is cooking.